Happy Easter. Happy Easter. This is the day the Lord has made. And he has been making some beautiful ones lately. And what a gorgeous day it is as we gather here. May we be called to worship this Easter Sunday. Join together in our hymn of celebration this wonderful Charles Wesley tune, perhaps today sung in every single church. Christ the Lord is risen today.
remain standing, may we join together in the historic confession of our Christian faith as stated in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. People of God, he is risen. At this time, I'm going to do a short little children's time. So I would invite any children to come up to the front with me and join me for a, a few minutes. Any children that want to come up? Uh, John, you said short children, so tall children can't come up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Children of all sizes. All sizes. All sure. sizes. Okay, We're inclusive sure. here. Any other children that want to join us? You're more than welcome to come up. Sit down. Have a seat. All right, guys. So what are, what's today? What are we celebrating today? Easter. Easter. That's right. Today's a very, very special day, right? In the Gospel of John, we learn that early on an Easter morning, some of Jesus' disciples were gathered in a room, but they were afraid. They didn't know what was going on. They, some things had happened. They weren't sure what was happening, and they didn't know what to do, right? So they were afraid. Can you guys give me your best... Uh, scared face, like frightened face. Give me your best shot. That's pretty good. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Come on, give me something. Timothy, let me see it. No? Okay. So, they're afraid, they're in the room, and they're not sure what's going on. All of a sudden, boom, door opens, in walks in the Easter bunny, and he starts handing everybody colorful Easter eggs with candy. Wait, that's how it goes, right? Wait, that's not how it goes? Are you kidding me this whole time? I, got, I, was, I was thinking because I thought for sure it was the Easter Bunny, you know? I don't know what the Easter Bunny's doing with eggs anyway, but, you know. Oh, yeah, wait. You know what? It's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. I, I, I remember the story now. Je Jesus walks in the room, right? Jesus comes in. No. And he was not wearing bunny ears. He comes in, and he puts them at ease. You know what the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. That's what he says to them. He's, in other words, stay calm, don't be worried, and I'm here with you. He comes to assure them that he, that he has not abandoned them and that all is well, right? So let me ask you a question. Um, some of you are older than some of you are younger, but uh, when your parents go out, do they just leave you on your own, or do they have a babysitter or someone to, to stay with you? Usually have somebody to stay there with you, if you especially if you're younger, right? Because they want to take care of you. Wanna, they want to make sure you're safe and happy, right? They're not going to just leave you. So they leave a grandparent or a babysitter. Another question. When you were younger, when you got to school, did you ever open up your lunchbox and there was a little note in there that said something from your parents, like, I love you, or something like that? 
<laughs> some of you, yes, some of you, no. But <laughs> not going to be pointing any names of parents here, but... But if they left a note for you, they leave it because they love you and they want to remind you that they're thinking of you throughout the day. They're going to see you at the end of the day, right? It makes you think of your parents and gets you excited about seeing them later. So, later on in the Gospel of John, we learn something. We read that Jesus is going to leave them. But does he leave the disciples alone? I hear a mostly nose here. No, he doesn't leave them alone. He leaves them with a very, very important gift, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He leaves them with God's Spirit to help remind them that God is with them, even when he's not physically right there next to them, that God is always going to stay with them. And that gift of the Holy Spirit is available to you and all of us today, right? Disciples were you know, 2,000 years ago, but that same Holy Spirit that was with them is the same Holy Spirit that is with us. So it's pretty awesome, right, that we get to celebrate both that Jesus is alive and that he's left us the Holy Spirit, that we can always know that God is close. It's pretty cool, right? Pretty amazing. All right, so I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then who wants to volunteer to say amen when I'm done? Saw it. Love it. All right, so let's say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you on this day as we think of the empty tomb and our risen Savior. We thank you that you have a plan and place and that you've not left us alone, but you leave us with your Holy Spirit to know that you are near and to know that you, have, that you will stay with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. John, you brought all kinds of uh, memories back to me. My dad put a note in my own lunchbox. Did he really? What did it say? He said, you lose your lunch again, you're going to starve. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing the memories back to me, John. It is a joy to greet you on this wonderful Easter Sunday. It's been a, a great time. Um, we're glad you can join us with us and part of that. Started out very early. I was up at 3.30 this morning, and um, we had a 6 o'clock service over at Valley Oaks, a very well attended, about 1,000 people. And um, I always come at the beginning of it in through the darkness playing my pipes, and um, uh, there's just something about that in the darkness as the sun begins to rise to hear amazing grace. But I'll tell you, it was amazing when I sat down on those cold benches. <laughs> I almost arose again. <laughs> and it was, did you notice, Brian, when, when, actually when the, the clouds dissipated and the sun came up, it was colder. It was actually chilly. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite ch chilly. So, um, but uh, a good time. And then suddenly you're telling me that uh, I was on the news. So, uh, I, was it a good, was I good? Was I good? How'd I, how'd I look? Okay. Will I get any offerings? Offers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My friend, he says, you have a face for radio. <laughs>
You know, you'll be sad one day when I'm gone. One day. Again, we're so glad that you're here with us today, and uh, we continue to lift up our praise to God. God, we give you thanks and praise on this Easter morning to sing our praise, to lift our voices in the loudest hosanna and alleluia for the risen Christ, for the joy of this morning that the tomb was empty, and in so we hear the words once more that he is risen, and he is risen indeed, and for this we rejoice, for that we know that on this day we come into your presence to rejoice for the blessings that you give, for the beauty of your creation, for the warmth of the sunlight, and more the warmth of your sun in our lives and in our hearts. 
And as we celebrate this day, we understand the promise of Scripture that death will no longer hold us, that we will no longer be bound by the grave or by fear. For as you share with us in your word, don't be afraid. You will see me there. So glorious God, we ask that you reveal yourself to us today, that we see the risen Savior who is your Son, our Lord. We ask you to meet us here, that you know the things that weigh upon our hearts and in our lives. You know the situations this world over that seem to be too great, but greater still is your love and your power. And in this we do rejoice. So as we experience once more the message of Easter, the hope that is offered in an empty tomb, may we rejoice, for we know that you will never leave nor forsake us, that you continue to walk with us. May we put our faith and our trust in you to walk one step at a time. And as we lift up our voices and our hearts in prayer and praise, may we too lift our voices with those the world over who this day have prayed the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, has taught, that together we too might pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. ushers come forward as we receive our Easter offering.
God, we give you thanks and praise as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you bless and use these for the ministry of your church in this community and throughout this world. That in so we proclaim the good news of a risen Savior on this Easter morning. And it's in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
listen and receive a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew, chapter 27, verses 45 through 54. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly this was the Son of God. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of this Easter message. A story as old as the ages, but yet ever new as it comes to us today. So may we receive it with open hearts, but not even as words read on page with paper and ink or words heard by ear, but now words received into our hearts and souls, even as the good seed that finds its way to good soil digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, that this now the seed of the word of God may dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is that living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Before I begin my message, I just want to say today that uh, I hope you enjoy our services. There is so much that goes into making these services a part of what they are, and such an important part is, is our music. And if you've seen today, our, our vocal choirs, our bell choirs, our musicians all contribute their absolute best so that you'll leave here with the spirit of Christ lifting your heart. So let's say thank you again. Do it again next week. <laughs> well, we all made it through Lent. Started seven weeks ago, and today is Easter. During Lent, many people decided to give up something. Did, did you give up anything for Lent? <laughs> losing weight, <laughs> get up losing weight. Well, if you gave up something, you joined nearly one in five Americans who observed Lent this year. Indeed, this year, taking a cue from someone, more than 400,000 people tweeted about their fast. Surprisingly, food and technology remained the most popular categories that tweeting Americans reported giving up. The top five choices were school. Chocolate, Twitter, alcohol, 
<laughs> and social networking. And to some, it's even harder to give up social media than carnal sin. It's like the cartoon I saw with two panels. And the first panel shows this penitent man who comes into the church, to the confessional, and he sits on the outside and he says, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And on the inside panel, it shows the priest with his computer logged into Facebook and he says, I know. <laughs> Among all Lent fasters, including those not on Twitter, food was still the most popular thing to give up. 96% of fasting Protestants and 89% of fasting Catholics gave up some food item. In the United States, the overall breakdown for the choice of food included 30% gave up chocolate, though I did not. 28% gave up meat, though I did not. 26% gave up soda, though I did not. And 24% gave up alcohol. And if you think I'm going to tell you the answer to that, you're crazy. <laughs> now, this is even crazier. 6% of the people fasting, 6% of people fasting gave up their regular meal to keep faith with fasting and ate out at a fast food <laughs> restaurant. You have got to be kidding me. But I can personally tell you that I did fast from eating broccoli, spinach, Brussels sprouts, and okra. And at the end of Lent, my soul has been purged. <laughs> These last weeks, we have been walking with one another to the foot of the cross. We have looked at several different people, and we followed them in our sermon series in Lent. We looked at a soldier. We looked at the crowd. We looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, his disciple. We looked at an unknown face in the crowd. We, we looked at Pontius Pilate. We looked at Joseph of Arimathea last week, and today we look at a centurion. Now, the word centurion is a Roman title. It simply means captain of a hundred. And a Roman centurion was over a hundred foot soldiers to a legion. The centurion was usually very loyal and very courageous. He began as a foot soldier and worked his way up due to bravery. They were noticed by the generals for their skill and courage, and they were made officers, perhaps something like a modern-day military rank of captain. They were the backbone of the Roman army. The centurions were legionnaires, and they were clearly noticed because they wore a special helmet. They had a much better ornate quality of breast harness. They carried a short wooden stick as a symbol of the rank. But this was no small thing, for you see, the centurion received pay that amounted to more than 20 times the regular soldier's pay. So great costs required great responsibilities, and great responsibilities cost great allegiance to Caesar. That's the centurion. But who was the centurion in our scripture for this morning. Now, there are three scriptures in the Gospels that relate to centurions, but are they all the same centurion? That's hard to tell. But the Eastern Orthodox 
and the Roman Catholic Church have identified this centurion by a tradition. And they call him the holy martyr Longinus the centurion. They say of him that when our Savior Jesus Christ was crucified, it was a detachment of soldiers under the command of Longinus, which stood watch on Golgotha at the very foot of the Holy Cross. Longinus and his soldiers were eyewitnesses of the final moments of the earthly life of the Lord and of the great and awesome portents that followed his death. These events shook the centurion's soul, and Longinus believed in Christ, and so he would confess before everyone, truly, this was the Son of God. Now further, according to this church tradition, Longinus was the soldier who pierced the side of Christ on the cross, and it was said that he had an affliction, and when the blood and water came from Christ's side, it says it flowed upon him that he was healed. It was he, it is said, that was with the the legion of soldiers that stood by Jesus at the sepulcher to make sure that everything was carried out properly when he was placed there. It is said that he was there at the time of the event of the resurrection of Christ. The legend states that the high priest tried to bribe the soldiers there to tell them that the disciples had come and stolen the body away. Others said for him to say that the soldiers had just fallen asleep and no one would have come past them. But it was said that they would not take the gold and they refused to remain silent and they began to tell others about the miracle of the resurrection. And having come to believe in the Savior, it is said that Longinus, along with two of the other soldiers, was baptized by the apostles and he left to go back to his home native land of Cappadocia. And there it is said, with his two comrades, he began to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen. When the Jewish elders, according to this tradition, heard this, they persuaded Pilate to let them go to Cappadocia. And it is said there that as they hunted down Longinus and his two comrades, they found him in a home. But when they broke into the home, Longinus and his comrades did not fight. They did not flee. They simply said, we will stand for our faith and die as our Savior has died for us. And it is said that they were beheaded there and buried at the place where they stood up for Christ. True. Who knows? But even if not, this tradition tells something that is true from the foot of the cross, which is a story that every one of us must come to. A United States Air Force chaplain, Shannon Filio, who was based at Osan Air Base Chapel, South Korea, made some observations from the perspective of the centurion as a military officer. She wrote as from the centurion, were you there? I was there. I'm a Roman centurion, a military officer in charge of a hundred other soldiers. I have more pride than a pilot of an F-16, A-10, and a U-2 combined. I'm a soldier, soldier. You talk about your men and women of ASOG or the Jolly Greens of the Rescue Squadron. I'm much more than that. I'm a soldier, soldier. And I was deployed to the Middle East in Jerusalem. I didn't want to be there. But the Jews were having a special holiday. They call it the Passover. And there were stories that were circling back to Rome that during this time there was a troublemaker in town. It was a fellow by the name of Jesus of of Nazareth. I'd heard about this man. You see, a friend of mine, another centurion, had a servant that this 
Jesus was said to have healed. I was curious, but I was also in no mood for these people's religion. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want any trouble. The only thing I was there for was to be a peacekeeper amongst these troublesome people. Sunday morning came. They, they called it Palm Sunday. And I decided to explore the town, talk with people, see if there was any trouble that was stirring about. Then all of a sudden, I noticed people running down the road. And they began yelling, he's coming, he's coming. And I said, who is coming? And a little boy next to me said, why, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who is coming. And everyone ran out, and so I followed them. And we ran to the east side of Jerusalem toward the Mount of Olives, which rode about 200 feet above the city itself. And, and there coming down the path was a man on a donkey. And the people were throwing their cloaks on the road. And the crowds were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us now, O Lord. And the people were waving palm branches in the air. And I asked, who is this man? That is the Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And as they said that, as I looked up again to the mount, the name still ringing in my ears, I could have sworn in that brief moment that this man who I'd heard so much of me and about him looked right at me as if he had known me all my life and all through eternity. And that he knew that in this next week, my life would be changed forever. It was now Friday. The crowds were crazy. Women were running around. They were wailing and crying and weeping. We took Jesus to Golgotha. We call that the place of the skull. We Romans crucify people, you see. It's a horrible death. We drive long, wrought iron spikes into people's wrists and into their feet, and then we hoist them on these crosses, and when they're pulled up, they find it difficult to breathe, and they writhe in pain, and, and sometimes it can last for days on end. But while we were hammering the nails into his hands, I heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But the people and the priests and the rulers were all mocking him. They heaped insults upon him and they, they spat upon him. And even two criminals charged with sedition and treason against Rome were also crucified with him, one on either side, as if to even create and throw upon him greater shame. And they themselves, too, out of insult even to him, said, if you really are the king of the Jews, then save us and get out of here and take us with you. However, one of the criminals later repented, and out of the softness of his heart, he looked up and he said, this man has done nothing wrong. And as I looked up, I too knew he was innocent. And this criminal then looked back to just Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you today, you shall be with me 
in paradise. And I thought as I stared at that criminal that I too want to be in paradise with him. And something was welling up inside of me. And as I watched this man die, as I heard the words of love and forgiveness, as I crucified him, something was welling up inside of me which seemed too big to come out and yet too big to hold down. And I didn't miss the cross that day. I was standing at the foot of it and somehow I knew I was standing in the presence of God. I knew I was watching love being poured out like the rain on sun-baked soil. I knew Jesus' death somehow was for me. I knew also that I could do nothing for myself, but at last to believe it and to believe him. I thought the world had come to an end. For the moment he died, an earthquake came and we heard that in the temple, it had been split in two, that which separates the Holy of Holies from the common area of the temple. And I could no longer keep it in. And I would proclaim in front of all of my soldiers and all of the priests and all of the people, truly, this man was the son of God. For there on a cross, I saw how much God loved the world that he sent his son on an old rugged cross to show me his love. What happened to our centurion? We may never know, but we do know that what happened to him happened because of Jesus. For on that first Easter morning so long ago, the power of God was manifest and a miracle happened that has shaken the world ever since. And I proclaim to you today by the power of the resurrection, by the power of Jesus Christ, the one who upon that cross died for us and upon which that white sheet represents him coming Back from the dead, from the tomb, I proclaim to you that he truly is the Son of God. And I can tell you that in the thousands of thousands of funerals that I have performed, I, because I believe this, have been emboldened to be able to say to people who have lost the precious loved ones of their lives, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But praise be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that he yet stands with you to say, I am the resurrection and the life. And whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Amen. And that is why Christ tells us today that we can leave here today with all the issues of life we face, 
yet we can leave here today having been touched by the power of God that life will never, ever be the same again. And that we may say, he is no longer on the cross and he is no longer in the tomb for he is risen, risen indeed. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the power of this day, a day that reminds us that no matter what we face in life, no matter the hurts or the losses, no matter the things that come into our lives that brings confusion, no matter if we get misdirected on the goal of life and the way we should go, we may know we have a hope and a promise in Jesus Christ that you always will love us and you will always be with us and that you will always redeem us and restore us if we will only find our ways to the foot of the cross and there to proclaim truly, this is the Son of God. And this we pray in his name to whom now we give all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. May I invite you now to stand as we join together in our hymn of triumph. It is found in your order of service. Hail the day that sees him rise.
as we receive this, our benediction, may you reach out and take the hands of those standing next to you. And as you hold one another's hands, give a little squeeze. Remember that we go forth to continue to hold one another's hand, to never walk alone, but to walk in the joy and the hope which is life everlasting. May you go forth now with joy and peace to love and to serve and to show the world what life in a resurrection looks like. May you go now to love and serve. Amen. Amen.